What is going on, everybody? Happy Monday. My name is Moore Milo. I'm Ross Hunterelli. And this is the 52 Podcast. 52 weeks, 52 books, making every single week count. Thank you guys so much for joining us on the channel. For those that are new, what we do here is we read books every single week. We also talk about news topics within business, personal development, and really what we like to do is bring you guys all those keynotes on what we learn throughout the week, and we like to give them to you. Uh, so this week, we have read a book called The Art of Procrastination. For all you procrastinators out there, you'll be very happy to hear that this actually has some positive things in it, which is pretty cool. The book is written by John Perry, and we're super stoked to get into that very soon. Before we do that, we'll jump into our new segment for the week. If you guys haven't noticed in the market of social media, there's a new big player out there and their name is TikTok. It's a Chinese company. They are blowing up everywhere. Everyone is on this thing, dancing and doing all sorts of fun stuff. Um, you know, Ross and I were having a conversation about TikTok a few minutes ago and how interesting and awesome their their algorithm is and how simple it is when it comes to the shareability and the ability to get attention based mm -hmm. on the content that you're creating. So you want to talk a little bit about that? Yeah, I mean, we were just talking about how, you know, their system is ranked versus, you know, likes, watch time, shares, follows, and they're kind of determining the, their news feed of what's being shown to you. So if you're watching a certain video for, let's say, the full length, it's going to start to find videos that are similar and push that to you without even knowing. So we're in that age where your newsfeed is incredibly personalized. Um, but we were talking about, you know, the impacts of different markets and things when it comes to a lot of these new new apps and new segments. One thing that, you know, we haven't talked about this yet, but one thing that really caught my eye was music. At this point, you know, music is so saturated and there's so many different places that you can really find your music coming from. Albums are coming out quicker, they're having less songs. It's really getting pushed. But at this point, to have almost a number one song, and I've seen this on the Spotify charts, that songs that have jumped up that I've found on there, you really need a song that's catchy and you can get some kid to make a dance to. Like, it's weird to think, but if you can get a catchy song someone's going to dance to and that's going to go viral, you're going to get shot up the Spotify charts. If you're an independent artist, you might get a record deal. If you want to stay independent, do that as well. But your chances of success now, instead of, I need to put out an album, a full EP, and try to build everything up are kind of different. So apps like this, where it has a lot of music-based systems, you know, because you're really lip-syncing or whatever, um, is having a huge impact, I think, in the music industry as well. Whether or not the industry is catching up to that is going to be a different topic. But it's interesting to see that, you know, with social media, it's changed how we've done things with photography, with video, um, and now music as well. So it's interesting to, to watch where they're coming from. But they are. They're the number one... Uh, social media app right now in the world as far as the charts are concerned. So it's interesting to see where it's coming from. And it's taking over a lot of demographics that are normally um, not seen on Instagram and, and Snapchat and Facebook in a way. And, you know, I think you brought up a really interesting point, which we didn't talk about a little earlier before we got on camera, which is the, the virality mm -hmm. of, of these uh, dances that go around. And you're so right. I mean, I'm just thinking back to like Soldier Boy, tell them, mm -hmm. right? Like, uh, you know, uh, the Superman crank that, all the, the young jock, all the things like that we grew up with when we were younger, right? Like now that's moving into like the cat daddy and the, and you know, the, the Dougie and the, the, the dab and all these things. And you're so right. TikTok is such a perfect platform for that virality. Mm -hmm. um, you know, for someone to create a dance, even if it wasn't created by the artist, but someone to create a dance for that uh, particular song and then start to have 
other people do the dance with them and then the virality of the song goes out there and now people are downloading the music, which means that the artist is getting paid and getting the exposure that they need, as well as creating a, a massive attention uh, around the youth that you know is getting them involved with what's going on. In addition to all that virality and the way that they do things there when it comes to the dancing videos and the music, um, I think what was really cool is we talked about their point system mm -hmm. and how they rank different actions on their platform with a different point system, right? So for example, a share, uh, and I don't know the numbers, right? But let's say a share, for example, is five points, right? And a like is one point um, and a comment is three points, right? So now when you use that point system, you have the ability to use you know, specific content that is getting higher points within the algorithm and push that uh, because more people are, are, are commenting and sharing and being involved with that piece of content. And I think that's a very good point because, you know, we've, we've done a lot, you know, with our past ventures that have to do with search algorithms and stuff like that. But what is interesting is to see that a company of this scale, granted, it's obviously more complex than we're making it out to be. No doubt. And you can look it up. There's about, like I said, five different tiers, everything from likes to watch time to follows to comments. But a very easy way that I think is easy for people to understand of what is their ranking system. So like I said, if you are watching a video all the way through and you commented on it, let's say that is worth, you know, 10 points. If you just quickly scroll through and you didn't care, you know, that and you liked it maybe real quick, that's two points. Okay, we're not going to show you that item, even though you liked it, as much as we're going to show you the other item. So it's, it makes common sense in a way, but very easy. So if you're out there and you're trying to think of a way to build a news feed or wonder how Facebook and then use their news feeds and you're not sure if you would not only have the ability or the capacity to build something like that, you can do it with a very simple ranking system and you can get a pretty similar result. So I think that's very interesting to see because when I first saw that, I was a little taken aback because I think if I didn't know that, I would have tried to make something way more complicated. 100%. And it would have taken months to make. And it would have cost a lot of money, a lot of time. And this is like, you know what? This is easy. We can easily sort this. We can rank this. Um, let's go with the strategy. So if you're someone who out there who needs a ranking system to, to build a feed or something like that, I highly recommend you look it up because I'm sure they have this for, for Facebook and other companies as well. But it was just very easy for the way it was explained for TikTok. Super clever. But I think that almost anybody who's trying to accomplish that is going to be able to use it. And this point system is not something that we haven't heard of before. If you guys are on any of the dating apps like Bumble and Tinder, they have a very similar setup where if you swipe right, uh, I believe it's a negative point, you swipe left, it's a positive point. And depending on the amount of points that you have, you get matched up with people that have similar amounts of mm -hmm. points. And what that really does is it creates, you know, kind of an idea of preference. Mm -hmm. Um, so these point systems are definitely out there. It's the TikTok is not the only company using these point systems, but the majority of us, for example, us novices, when we got into the tech community before we did all this research and had all this uh, experience and knowledge, you know, we would have never thought of a simple point system. Like it's technology. It has to be complicated and complex and elaborate and fancy. And it's you like, must need a programmer. Right, you gotta need a programmer, right? It's like, but, but the simplicity of a point system uh, gets the same thing across. It creates the same engagement as a complicated algorithm that has to calculate preferences and and in uh, the way people interact in a more uh, overarching way. Uh, so I think the point system is really clever for, like Ross said, for anyone looking to create a ranking system or w within a social network needs to, you know, prioritize certain things. This point system is phenomenal.
Yeah, and then I would say one <coughs> final point to wrap up the news with, with TikTok is I do, and this is an opinion, I, I still think it, it, it will happen. I think there's going to be like an adpocalypse like what happened with YouTube where um, a lot of people are getting demonetized because whenever you have an app that goes this viral this quickly, uh, marketers, they're always slow to get there, but they're going to get there. They're going to start to advertise on there. You're already starting to see some lawyers and, and different people advertising. I mean, we're probably a month away from seeing like a Colgate ad in the middle of, of one of these these videos. So you're going to have a point where TikTok is going to have to really try to narrow down their terms of use. Because like I said, it's a, it's a hard company to have when you think that your main demographic is 18 and under. Sure. So a lot of it has to do with the song choices that are allowed, the wording. Um, you know, you don't want your app to obviously be over-sexualized when it's, it's an underage app. So and there's going to be a lot of things that TikTok is going to have to go through as far as growth to be able to get that ad revenue because they have the user base. But like I said, when you have the users, the next thing the company looks for is how to monetize properly. No doubt. So it's going to be very interesting to see if they start demonetizing people, if they start blocking accounts or, or, or things like that to be able to control the kind of content that is seen because right now the only ad I really see is like the moment you log in, they show you a giant ad. But other than that, there's really no ads. So, and like I said, I'm not the main demographic for this. We look at it, you know, it is, I used to love Vine. So for me, it feels very similar to Vine, except it's starting to change very quickly to a point where I don't know if I will continue to be on it. Interesting. Because more people are coming on it. And it is, it's a younger, it's like having a, a Snapchat account in a way where it's a younger account. And unlike Instagram where it's, you know, like you're, you're, museum of your best photos that have been edited color corrected all that you're kind of seeing someone literally dancing in their bedroom like it's more real but at the same time as a company your main market like it says 18 and under they're dancing to a lot of songs that are i would say not appropriate in a way and i don't mean that from like a, a, a different standpoint i mean like as a parent like as a parent sure i don't know if you'd want your kids dancing to certain lyrics yeah, they're minors at the end of the day right yeah like when, so when I, yeah it's gonna be very interesting to see what they do as a company when they go to monetize this heavily because i can guarantee you with the growth they've had 2020 their goal is monetization so keep an eye out on the content keep an eye out for the marketers and just see what's going to happen and like i said this is what we like to do we like to watch companies and see how they act we understand what they're going to try to do but let's see how they implement it. Absolutely. Don't spend your own money learning lessons. You can watch other people spend money and learn lessons as well. It's the reason we read books. So, so we can learn from the lessons of others, right? And yeah. another thing for me in regards to uh, TikTok is it is a Chinese company, right? Mm -hmm. So it's, it's going to be interesting to see, you know, how they pay attention to American standards of doing business yeah. when they are based overseas. And really, you know, they don't have to. So it's, it's going to be very interesting to see how, um, you know, this Chinese startup you know, interacts with the rest of the world and what they plan on doing from, from that aspect of like, you yeah. know, certain mature, maturity levels, right? So different types of music, is there going to be censoring, et cetera, et cetera. So and you would hope that they do because when you look at, um, you know, a few months ago, it was the NBA versus China. Um, there was a, a post about Hong Kong from the owner of the uh, Houston Rockets. So the NBA plays very, um, pays very special attention to the Chinese needs because it's a huge market for them. Absolutely. So we are playing into their hand in a lot of sense. I'm curious to see if China will do the same thing. Sure. Play into the Americans' hands when it comes to what they can bring in as far as marketing dollars and, and, and shares and users. So like I said, it's going to be very interesting to watch. These are things that we enjoy looking at because 
it's a big company. I mean, like I said, you're talking number one tech company currently on the charts. You know, Facebook obviously is larger by volume. Um, so is Instagram, but the but we're talking the, about their curve, how they're growing. But the rate that TikTok is growing and the impact, like I said, we talked about earlier with like music and in different forms, to be able to bring a little bit more authenticity is going to be very interesting to watch going forward. So very curious to see where they go and how they decide to monetize and if they can learn from YouTube's mistakes with the adpocalypse where. Um, a lot of creators kind of got pushed off that platform um, and had to really change to become more, you know, kid friendly, family friendly. Um, and even now, YouTube, if you're a family friendly channel, you get a lot more play than if you're, you know, more, I wouldn't say risque, but more explicit. I think is a better word. Sure. Explicit channel. So you have to be very careful with what you're doing. And like I said, at a time now where everything is heavily scrutinized. Very curious to see how TikTok monetizes. I agree entirely. I think it's going to be a wonderful journey for us to, to notice and witness. So with that being said, guys, let's move into the book. Again, this week's book is written by John Perry. It is called The Art of Procrastination. Uh, you know, for all you procrastinators out there like to sit on your hands, uh, good news for you guys. There is actually a wonderful, <laughs> a, a wonderful kind of synopsis of, you know, what uh, a good procrastinator can create mm -hmm. within their world. So, um, Let's just go ahead and jump right into it, right? The the first chapter that we're looking at is called Structured Procrastination. Uh, and what that means is basically the, the, the overarching concept of, you know, procrastinators being able to create even with the, you know, that, that flaw of being a procrastinator. And uh, the biggest thing that we learn is all about a priority, right? It's all about like, you know, we put off the things that we really need to be doing right now to do the things that we want to be doing right now. Um, and at the end of the day, we're still getting things done, mm -hmm. right? So as a procrastinator, you know, it's not necessarily that you are not going to get anything done. You're just going to find different ways to get them done. Yeah, I think this was, and I, I should preface this by saying that I'm a procrastinator. So um, this was the shortest book we've read in 18 weeks. It was an hour, <laughs> 45 minutes. We, um, today we are filming on a Saturday and I finished this book all on Friday. Uh, so I waited to the end on this one. Now, like I said, holiday season, Christmas, things were going on. Um, you, it, we, we chose a shorter book for this reason. Normally our books are six to eight hours. Uh, I love the term structured procrastination because it makes me feel better. <laughs> um, but yeah, it was, it's something that like I said, I understand that I procrastinate, but they put it in a way and like I said, we'll get into it where they talk about, you know, how the, the negatives of it as well. But procrastinators... I think generally are very good with deadlines, but while they're not doing the item, they're not, it's not that we are not, not, I hate doing not, not, it's not that we are not, not thinking about what we're doing. You know, we are understanding that I have to do X, Y, and Z to get this done. You kind of pre-plan instead of sitting down at the desk and write it down, you're kind of pre-planning what you need. So you understand that this is due on a Friday. I have X amount of days to get this done. I should do this amount of time each day to get it done. When you don't, you recalculate in your head. I'm going to need this amount of time. So when you get to that final day, you know, I probably need exactly three and a half hours. I already know what I'm going to write about. Let's get this done. So very interesting. And we'll, so we're going to go through more of the book in a moment. But very interesting to see how they break down procrastination and understanding that this is a very common thing. Sure. And that it's not a negative if you can structure everything properly if it doesn't hinder you from yeah the creating. problem that they they talk about later on with procrastination is to say that let's say um you have let's use schooling schooling is the easiest example i think for people you have an essay due on friday the procrastination that they worry about is that you gave zero thought 
until Thursday night. And now it's like, crap, I don't even understand what this is about. They don't like that where the procrastination that's structured is talking that, okay, my book, my paper is on the grapes of wrath. Uh, these are a few topics. All right, I figured out what topic I want to write about, how I want to structure it. So over the, the few days, you've kind of got your game plan, your outline in your head, so that when it comes time for you to actually get off your ass and start to do it, you're kind of ready. ready to go. Sure. So, and like I said, we talk about this in a lot of podcasts. You hear me say it all the time. I think people can get the same item or same task done in whatever amount of time they are given. If you have seven hours, you're going to make it last seven hours. If you have one hour, you can get it done in one hour. When it gets to a smaller time level, you know, you're going to look at quality dropping. But I think that we naturally will, uh, we'll take breaks. I'm going to go get some coffee. Maybe I'm going to, you know, watch a video on YouTube or Instagram. I have a headache. I need a breather. But when it's that final two hours, you are locked in. Like, locked don't call in. me. Don't text me. My headphones are on. Don't bother me. I have to get this done. And that level of focus is a positive for a lot of people. It's like what we talked about last week on Scrum, right? It's that idea that, you know, us working too much time ends up putting us in a position to fail because we make mistakes. Mm -hmm. Whereas if you have a shorter period of time, you can get the same thing done in that shorter amount of time. And likely you'll have less mistakes because you're less critical of yourself and continuing to go back and change things. Uh, so that concept is very interesting. We're not saying that procrastination is like the best thing and you should do it, but if you are a procrastinator, right, it's one of those things where you do have a slight advantage in the fact that you give yourself a shorter period of time to get the same amount of stuff done and you end up spending less time on the thing that you were going to get. And done. also as an employer, you need to understand who your employees are when they come to deadlines. So like for pedal, uh, I knew that most of us were procrastinators, <laughs> but I always told them that. I don't care when you get it done, whether it be, you know, midnight or you want to do it during the day, whether you want to do a little bit throughout the week, which, you know, when you're overseeing a lot of different, you know, kind of departments and they're all kind of hinging on each other, it is a little terrifying when you, you talk on Monday and they have till Friday to get something done and it's Wednesday and there's nothing uploaded. Like it is terrifying. But I, for me, I work better at night. More is great in the morning. You know, a lot of people do things at different times. But you can always count that they know that when it comes to Friday, whatever time you gave them, it has to be uploaded to be done and they would get it done. So understand that if you're going to give people that autonomy, you need to understand also who they are and not be like, hey, I need a little bit done every day. Because even though you may want that, they may not naturally work that way. And that's not like I said, procrastination is not a, a positive in any way. But. If you can get the same results of someone doing a little bit every day as if they naturally wanted to do it on like the last day because they planned it out, sometimes that few days of planning is good because you don't backtrack. So understand where they're coming from and who you hired. So if you want to give them that level of autonomy like we've talked about in past books, know that that comes with it. You have to understand who they are and think of yourself. You know, I'm a procrastinator, so it makes me easier to put to put myself in their shoes. But they saw it even with my work. Same thing. I'll get it done near the end. But it's we're all pretty but planned out people. It'll work yeah. out. And you know this this also brings up the next concept that we're going to talk about, which is procrastination and perfectionism, right? So uh, a lot of people, when they do things, they're very worried about it looking the right way. And what we don't realize is that sometimes it doesn't have to be perfect. You know, just because we want it to be perfect doesn't mean that it needs to be perfect, right? If you can procrastinate and take a shorter period of time to get a, a job done that's going to be enough 
to where you're going to be able to create on the next level, it doesn't have to be perfect, mm -hmm. right? Because at the end of the day, if you put hours and hours on end into a project that's very minimal, a very minuscule portion of a larger project that could have been done a little bit less perfect, you could have saved a lot of time, right? And time is the most valuable thing that we have, right? That's the only thing that every single person on the, this planet is limited to is time. You know, nobody has more than 24 hours in a day. So the idea of not being focused on perfectionism and doing something to a level where it will pass and you can put into the bigger vision so that the entire vision can work on a higher scale is actually going to give you more time to make sure that the vision works mm -hmm. as a total. Um, so in regards to perfectionism, don't get me wrong, it's good to be a perfectionist because you want things to look good or you want things to be good or you want things to be perfect for the way that you see them. However, that perfectionism is can also waste a lot of time. That perfectionism can also get you in your head and out of your ability to create for the larger vision. And, you know, the procrastinator has this, you know, built into their system. They already know that, okay, what's the priority level of this task? Does this task need to be perfect? No? Great. We need to match this threshold of, uh, of accuracy in, in timing. And I can do that in a shorter period of time so I can work on other things. Yeah, this was my favorite chapter, I would say, because I'm both a procrastinator and a perfectionist, and I wanted to see how they went. So to give an example, when I was listening to this, I was working, um, I do work for a property management company, we have about 25 properties under uh, under our management, and what we're doing is we're getting a lot of the utilities and, and everything set up to be pretty much like an auto draw for next year, because we had an employee, and we've had multiple employees that their job was alluded to make sure that you know, Spectrum was paid on time, LADWP, SoCal Gas, all these companies were paid on time. And you know, with that many things, stuff falls through the cracks. Sure. So what I was working on um, at the time was getting a lot of them going through, like I said, LADWP and SoCal Gas and trying to get all these set up on a, a new bank account that we set up to get everything on an auto pay. And it's all over the place. It's not organized at all. And as I'm going through it, I'm trying to not miss anything but I'm also taking extra time on a lot of stuff because it needs to be quote unquote perfect. But as I'm listening to this, the quote was literally like, um, like you doesn't, the job doesn't need to be perfect because either way you're going to have slight mistakes. What is the gain you're going to get from trying to make it perfect? It's going to take mm. you longer and your result is going to be the same, if not a, only a slight difference, which that difference is so slight that it will not matter in the overall thing. You most likely will have to go back and adjust something either way, and that adjustment's gonna take the same amount of time. So for me, I was it, it helped because I can go through the whole list of 25 of them and be like, all right, this is probably 95% accurate. And tell your employer, this is like 95% accurate. There are a few things that may have slipped through the cracks. It was very unorganized, but we may not know until we get a notice that something slipped. But when we get that, we can easily correct it. It's gonna be like a 5% pass due fee. It comes out to like $20 for each item, $100, who cares? Get it done versus trying to get it so perfect that it takes an extra two, three days where you're paying more than that just to get the job and done. And look, look at the hourly amount, right? Yeah. Like even at a, a, a minimum wage, which we both know that you're not making minimum wage, right? But at a minimum wage, that's still going to come out significantly more than the $100 that you would have spent. God forbid mm -hmm. you had that 5% of inaccuracy. And that's why that was interesting because, you know, I procrastinate and I am a perfectionist and it normally will take me longer, but 
the best thing, like I said, was learning that what is the actual benefit of getting it absolutely perfect versus if you can get the same amount done, let's say uh, quicker, and maybe instead of 100%, you're in, and 100% doesn't exist. I should also add, and I understand that. You're going to be 99% correct on anything you do. There's always going to be something, a little slight oversight. There's always a margin of error. But if you could be even 90% accurate and it took you a few less days, that I think that is better. And that's something that I have to work towards. So I think that this book did a great job of showing you um, the positives and negatives of both procrastination and perfectionism and how they relate to each other. Because that is something that I never consciously thought played a, a supreme part in each other. But very interesting to see and, and hear the discussion. And you know, now now let's move into my one of my favorite uh, chapters of the book, which is to do lists. And mm -hmm. it sounds so dumb, right? Uh, to do lists, everyone does to do lists. But John Perry has a very different way of, of looking at to do lists, and it's actually a phenomenal tool for the procrastinator. Uh, you know, when we procrastinate, we prioritize certain things, um, and you know, the bigger tasks we usually put on the side. We usually are like, okay, I got to think about this. I don't know what to do right now. Like, I'm going to procrastinate on that and do all the little things. So what John says is instead of, you know, being doing the little things and feeling like you're, you know, you're beating yourself up because you're not doing the big things, make the little things part of your to-do list. Mm -hmm. Take a shower in the morning. Have a cup of coffee. Read the newspaper. Read your, jump on your phone. You know, check your messages. Do your emails. Make all of those little tasks part of your day-to-day to-do list. And what that does for you is it gives you a sense of accomplishment. It, it makes you feel like you're creating in your world. If you literally within the first hour of your day and you have, you have a to-do list, in the first hour of your day, you need to uh, get out of bed and take a shower, go, go get a cup of coffee, eat, a, eat some breakfast, catch up on the news, check your stocks, you know, do, a, do all of these seven, eight things first thing in the morning within the first hour of your day you're already off to a great start. You're like, dude, I'm getting things done today. I feel great about myself. You know, I'm in the in the mood to win. And then that daunting task that you've been procrastinating on doesn't seem like a, as big of a deal, mm -hmm. right? You, you now are going into it like, dude, I got this. This is nothing, no biggie. I don't need like, cool. I just knocked out seven things this morning within the first hour. Mm -hmm. This is gonna be nothing. I'm not worried about it, right? So it's that concept of, of setting yourself up to win. You know, of putting yourself in a position where you can have the mindset of, I got this. I'm going to handle this because I know that I can because I just created all of these things within the last hour. This is very similar to uh, Make Your Bed. Oh, yeah. Big time. Make Your Bed was the same thing. Big Start time. off with small accomplishments Absolutely. to get you going. Um, and like I said, that's really, really what it was about. I think Moore did a great job. Um, explain to-do list because that's really what it is. Can you get yourself off to these small wins to get yourself going? Momentum, momentum, and Exactly, momentum, and that's right? the name of the game to be able to get things going. And like I said, that leads into the next chapter, which is get rhythm. And I think that's really kind of why they go back to back is to understand that if you've already completed seven tasks in the first hour that you've been awake, getting one, two, three more tasks done doesn't feel as bad. But if you don't have that those to-do lists or those tasks set in the beginning, now it's an hour into your day and now you have to start your first task. And, and you like, feel wow. unaccomplished. You feel yeah. like you're not doing it. It feels like a drag, right? like, all right, take a deep breath. Now it's time to get to work. Where the other way is like, look, we've already gone through seven items. Let's keep going. Let's just knock this out Let's and be done. Pushing. Let's keep it moving. 100%. That rhythm is so important. I mean, you ask any any athlete about rhythm and how important it is and why they're in the gym, you know, a basketball player shooting a thousand free throws. Mm -hmm. The reason why is because they're getting the rhythm. They're getting their mo their movement and their momentum down so that when they get to the line in the game, it's just another free throw. Mm -hmm. It's just one out of a thousand. It's easy peasy because it's, it's rhythm. 
It's you're constantly, you know, you're constantly doing it. It's a constant uh, reminder that this is this is normal. This is easy. Like, boom, knock it down, right? So that's the idea of rhythm is really important, and it's, it's a great way to set yourself up to win. Um, and you know, like you said, to do list matches perfectly with that rhythm because as you continue to knock things out on your to-do list every single day, you'll then create that as a daily rhythm. And then it turns into a weekly rhythm and a monthly rhythm. And you just keep doing and keep operating and keep on checking things off, off that to-do list every day, every morning. And just, it, it's, it's, it makes you feel good. You know, it makes you feel good. And as we all know, when you feel good, you do good, mm-hmm. right? Look good, feel good, you know, be good. It's that simple, right? So if you feel good, you're going to operate at a higher level, whether you're a procrastinator or you're an overachiever and you do things like a perfectionist, right? It doesn't matter. Getting in that rhythm is really important. Um, Now we go into a fun topic, which I think could actually be changed from the computer and the procrastinator to the technology and the procrastinator. Mm -hmm. Because now in our world, we have cell phones and we have iPads and tablets and Kindles and all sorts of fun technology that loves to distract us. Um, so this chapter, chapter five, is all about the distractions that we live with on a day-to-day basis and how, you know, a procrastinator can use those things uh, to either detrimentally affect their day or to really positively affect their day. Um, you know, the, the, what John brought up is like, hey, I love to go through my emails when I have other things to do. And I love to surf the web when I have other things to do. Why? Because it's fun, because it's easy, because it's something that you get enjoyment out of. And now listen, there. he's also saying that that's not necessarily a bad thing for you to want to surf the web and learn new things, because you'll end up learning new things, having conversations, you know, creating connections, et cetera, et cetera. But instead of, you know, doing the things that you need to do, you end up going into the rabbit hole of the technology, right? Mm-hmm. And everyone's been there when they're just like, you know, what, I'm going to go on my phone for five minutes, just check my emails real quick. And then they have a thought and they say, okay, oh, dude, that new song came out. I'm going to look up that song. Oh, cool. He's going on tour. What are his dates? When are they going? How much are tickets? Let me search for, you know, a different price ticket. And you go into that rabbit hole for hours on end and you end up procrastinating for the whole day. Mm -hmm. So uh, tools to support you in that, set a timer. Put yourself in a position where you're going to win. Don't look at your emails unless you know you have a phone call within 20 minutes. Set a timer for how long you want to be doing things. Think ahead of time, right? Because at the end of the day, setting that timer takes a lot less effort than switching your entire mental function from procrastinating to, you know, being really on target with every single item. Mm -hmm. Use the tools that are available to you. Just like the computer and technology are available to distract you, you can use computers and technology to support you in doing the things that you need to do. So really, really important, guys. You know, technology is out there. We have a lot of things at our fingertips. Like, Literally, you can see the world on your phone very, very quickly, and it's an easy way to get stuck in the rabbit hole. And that rabbit hole is not going to support you in creating things within your vision. What are your thoughts? I agree. I think, and especially now, you can just say something like, hey, Siri, set a timer for 15 minutes. Sure. I think it's very important because I, I do believe in, I do take little breaks here and there. Um, that's why my best work is when I can put like my headphones on and just lock in for like two hours. But I agree. I think everyone can identify with a time that, this happens almost every day where you're doing something and you go on your phone and all of a sudden you're stuck. You're just going down this rabbit hole or whatever, which is probably said part of the reason why we, we started doing this podcast with some of these books was to use our time more positively. So instead of driving and just listen to the same 15 songs that we've been listening to that week, let's learn something new. 
So it's taking that same concept and putting it into your everyday life of not asking you to change essentially, but to identify when you're doing it and to it's be able to know exactly to be able to know that, all right, I'm going to give myself 15 minutes of a break. I'm going to check my emails or do whatever. But when that timer goes off, I'm right back to it. It's, you know, and I think that's really the key to it is to understand that you have to get certain things done because as a procrastinator, structure is not what you want, but it's what you need and you know it's what you need. Sure. So if you can have a little bit more of that structure, I think it's going to go a long way to making sure that that 15 minute break didn't become an hour break and you just watch something stupid on YouTube. Agreed. So next chapter, I was actually a little bit confused. It's it's called the, uh, a plea for horizontally organized. Um, did you get this chapter? I think it was just a way of a little bit. I think it was just a way of like it says organizing um, ways into almost like different bins, different baskets. So just trying to understand um, what you have to get done and understand what works with each other and what are separate tasks. I think it was just a way of separating it. Um, I definitely need to go back and reread this one. Yeah, this one was a little confusing so, to me because there was some weird examples that he used when he was filling his room with like a like a train set type thing. Yeah, it, it kind of threw me off a little bit. I think the the I'm sure the content is really good. I just it just didn't sink in for me, and that might have just been me not being present to that particular moment. Um, but you know, for the most part, uh, it's the idea of how you think, right? Yeah. How you organize your thoughts. Um, and, and most people from what I understand are vertically organized, whereas mm -hmm. horizontally organized people are usually the procrastinators. Um, and it takes up more space, more, more, uh, bandwidth to be horizontally organized. Yeah. You're trying so to pretty much idea. consolidate it down to a point where you're, you're more precise. So if you, if you think of it, like if you have 10 topics that you could write on, it's trying to slowly narrow that down to a really strong point in the center. So yeah, like I said, definitely go back. Um, we'll probably reread it as well. Do that the same on your end. Uh, but like I said, it's just understanding kind of how you think and, and like I said, a mixture of self-awareness and also understanding the different way that people think and how that can have an outcome on your productivity. 100%. And next one we're talking about is collaborating with the enemy, which sounds a little weird, but it's uh, it's really just the idea of, of procrastinators working with non-procrastinators and how you can get things done. And from what John says, you know, he has quite a few non-procrastinator friends that he gets a lot done with. Because it's a good, you know, balance. It's a good, uh, you know, balance of, of energy flow where you have someone that's very uber, uber, like, gotta get this done right now. It needs to be perfect versus someone that is gonna take their time and procrastinate a little bit and do things a little differently. Mm -hmm. The person that's gonna have that, I gotta get it done right now, might not have all the insight that the procrastinator has because the procrastinator took the time to think about things. Whereas this person just went straight into doing. Now, on the flip side, on the contrary, this person will likely be more effective with their time because they jump on things and do them quickly. Whereas this person might not as be as effective mm -hmm. as a procrastinator because you know they're not as uh, structured with their time, right? So the idea of being a structured procrastinator and working with someone that isn't a procrastinator can actually offer a really nice balance. Yeah, and I just want to give an example. So like I said, I was doing, getting a lot of the end of the year stuff ready for next year for this property management company. And the guy that I was working with, um, this was Thursday, um, He he's much quicker at how he works. I'm a little bit more planned than how he is. But it was one of those where we needed to call LEDWP and I was like, all right, I'll call them probably in like 20 minutes. And I look over and he's already dialing. So he was going to get that answer already done. Granted, while he was on the phone, he didn't, he wasn't planned enough for it. We didn't have didn't the account number, things like that ready. Right. But it's understanding that when I saw that, I was like, all right, like we're going to get this done now either way. Because while I may have planned and got the, had the account numbers, he took that first action and called 
us together working symbiotically are getting the, the entire job done. So it worked out as a perfect marriage of energies, uh, but just interesting to see because you, it is nice to work with someone like that. So when you see stuff in these books or hear in these books, um, we always say to try to look at your current surrounding when you're listening to these and how they apply. And this one fit almost perfectly because I was thinking back to literally a day before and thinking, wow, this actually did work. This is accurate. And I have something to actually mentally put a almost like a stick note. I can literally think of this is the moment that it happened. That so was it makes perfect it for that chapter that really yeah, so truly it makes it explained easy. it. Um, fridge benefits. You know what that's all about? Go for it. I don't really remember it, to be honest with you. It's a weird thing. Um, you know, I think it that was a short chapter. It was a very short chapter. And it was one of those things where I think that it really got mixed with collaborating with the enemy, but then also talked about procrastinators working with procrastinators. Um, and how that's effective and it can be effective for I think it was just like we together. just talked about the benefits of when you can do it. So right. I think, I think collaborating was the why and this one is kind of the... The, the structure of it. it. Sure. Okay. So let's just move on to do procrastinators have to be annoying. Um, so, you know, John... No, they don't. They do not. So John, John is actually a professor. He is a philosopher and a professor and he... Um, writes a lot of essays and articles uh, on different topics. And this book came from one particular topic, which was actually the first chapter of the book. Um, and that was that was a little essay that he wrote. And he got a response um, from a gentleman that his wife is a procrastinator, and she sent this to him. And I believe he's also in the educational field. So he brought up um, the fact that it's annoying that procrastinators are procrastinators because they they negatively affect other people within their region. And you know the biggest thing that he wanted to make really clear is there's a big difference between a procrastinator and someone that's just arrogant. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and the arrogance of thinking that you know you're more worthwhile than other people and people can wait for you. That is very very negative. It does not help anyone around you. Whereas the procrastinator, for the most part, the mindset of the procrastinator procrastinator, they don't want to negatively affect people. They might stretch their timeline a little bit. They might, you know, wait to do things a little bit, but they're not going to make you wait too long. He was describing how, you know, with him, with his, uh, when he would grade papers, right? He knew that he had about a half a day extra before other people would be pissed off that he didn't get the job done. Mm -hmm. So the idea of being a procrastinator and being aware, self-aware of, okay, how can I figure out making this work for me without negatively affecting others, right? So understanding that timeline in that, that, that deadline of like, this has to be done by now, right? And that's what you were saying earlier, right? Procrastinators are good with deadlines because they understand, okay, if this needs to be done now, then I can get it done the day before, but it'll be done. Yeah, and they're constantly adjusting the, the timeline that it's gonna take. So if they were gonna start on Tuesday to get it done by Friday and they didn't get it done on Tuesday, they readjust how long it's gonna take and how they can plan it out. Same thing. They don't do it Wednesday. It comes to third, and we do this with our books. We we know that we have our books are six to eight hours a week. We know that we're gonna probably have to do two hours a day is normally what we try to strive for to get everything done on time. So when we have a longer book, and you guys have been with us, we've had 10, 12 hour books, fourteen hour books, fourteen hour books. Think and Grow Rich is fourteen. We have to plan out earlier, and we still will progress. And a lot of times we don't start on Monday because Monday we're getting a lot of the the stuff ready for the book we just read to get that online and get that out to you guys. All the content, absolutely. So we normally will plan on a Monday, but it maybe won't start till Tuesday. So you're constantly having to adjusting. And a lot of times you can go from now, it's two hours a day to maybe now it's gonna take three hours a day. And you just have to keep 
understanding your timeline because we don't. We don't miss our deadline. We get every single book done. We get it done to a point where we are able to have enough time to let it soak in and comprehend. Because if we finish it and go straight to recording, we've noticed we don't do as well. Um, but yeah, it's just understanding where you are and who you are and understanding how that's going to affect others. So if you have a deadline, I don't care if you procrastinate, get it done on time and you will have to be that mixture of perfectionism and not to understand it is this up to my quality. If it's not up to your quality, then when you do your calculation next time for the similar task, know that it's going to take you a little bit longer than you originally thought. It wasn't going to take you two hours. This task actually is a three hour long task. And that's what it's going to take. So always take it, learn, and adjust. And with that, guys, we have two last chapters. Actually, one chapter and an appendix. The last chapter is deep uh, concluding thoughts, just his ideas of what he thinks overall. And we'll leave that for you guys. You guys can go read the book. It's a short book. I re recommend reading it. Um, and the last one, the appendix, if you really want to break the habit of being a procrastinator, you really, really want to break the habit, literally the appendix is called How to Kick the Habit. Read at your own risk, okay? So if you are looking to change the way that you look at things, uh, because procrastination in, inherently is not a good thing, right? So if you can kick that, great, but it's going to require a lot of work on your end. Um, and he goes into that in the in chapter 10 in the appendix. Uh, so guys, uh, overall, the book, short, sweet, to the point. Um, John Perry's legit. He is a, a great writer. I actually really enjoyed the words that were on paper, more correctly, the words that we heard because we listened to our books. Um, and uh, I think the concept was, was, a, was an interesting concept. I think what he really did was he provided a way for procrastinators to not be in self-beat up. Um, he provided a structural format to how a procrastinator can still be really effective and stop beating on themselves for mm -hmm. being that procrastinator. So I thought that it was a good book overall. Um, not my favorite of the books, to be honest with you, uh, but I think it was really valuable. I think it was it was a good book for, you know, as two procrastinators um, speaking to you about procrastination. Um, it's nice to be able to be self-aware and also not being beat up about it, you know, and, and know that procrastination is inherently not the best thing, but there are ways to work around it to where you're still extremely effective and extremely worthwhile to those that are around you and not negatively affecting them because of your procrastination. So overall, I thought it was really positive. What about you, bud? I liked it. Honestly, I thought the the nice thing was like you said, whenever you hear procrastination in everyday life, it is a negative, which is, which is understandable. Sure. He didn't try to make it be something that's positive, no, he but didn't. he's... He understands that if you are a procrastinator, some of it is inherent. Um, you have certain reasons for do it, whether good or bad. But his whole thing was really to give you some structure. Let you know that if you are procrastinating, this is the way you need to structure things. Um, if you want to break this habit, this is what you can do. These are the positives and negatives. These are how you're affecting other people. You need to also learn to be self-aware and step back and understand, you know, this is what I'm doing. He gives you tools like set the timer and stuff like that or make a list that we've seen from a lot of the Navy SEAL books, like make your bed. So a lot of stuff that come from a lot of different arrays of life all kind of come together. And he's pretty much saying that if you're still getting everything done on time, your quality's good, there is no negative. But if you start to see that your quality is dropping and you're getting things done later, that needs to set off an alarm in your head to be, hey, I need to be better at what I'm doing. I am now procrastinating to a point that is negative for me. So keep an eye on your time and your quality. If those drop, then what you're doing is bad. If your time and your quality are still going well and you're not affecting your deadlines that have to work with other employees or keep things going down the chain, then you're okay. 
But just be mindful that it's a very fine line between positive and negative when it comes to procrastination. And the only way to know that is to be mindful of where you are. So all in all, I like the book, short and sweet. I love it. It was a book on procrastination that we both procrastinated to read. I love it. Um, that's phenomenal. And I love that he didn't make it an eight book, an eight hour book on procrastination because that would have been harder. Um, but yeah, I, I think it was a very interesting topic. We try to keep the, the topics pretty diverse for you guys. So this was something that we thought could really hit the core for a lot of our listeners. So if you liked it, like I said, let us know. Um, we're going to look for some more books to keep going through. But all in all, good book. Nothing nothing too crazy, but what can you expect from an hour 45 minutes? You can only pack so much info. It was a long essay. It was a long essay is what it really was. It came down to that. And uh, it was a long, very effective essay. I think it got the points across really well. And yeah, it was, it was definitely positive. Yeah. So guys, with that being said, uh, thank you so much for joining us again on the channel. Uh, we love to have you guys. We love to hear your feedback. Please follow, comment, like, check out all of our pages. We were on YouTube. We're on uh, Spotify. We're on all the podcast places like Google and Apple. We're on uh, Instagram. We're on Facebook. Check us all out. It's all the 52 podcast everywhere uh, at symbols and strudels and all the fun things. Moreover, thank you guys for joining us again on the channel. We really, really appreciate your fandom and your uh, your listening and your attention. Um, my name is Moore Milo. I'm Ross Anarelli. This is the 52 Podcast. 52 weeks, 52 books, making every single week count. Thank you guys so much for joining us for episode 19. We'll see you guys next week on episode 20. Have an awesome week. Happy holidays. Happy New Year. And stay tuned. We got the five-minute recap coming up right after this. So we'll get right into it and uh, condense it down for you. Sounds good, guys. Thanks so much. Take care. What's going on, everybody? My name is Moore Milo. I'm Ross Santorelli. This is the 52 Podcast. Right now, we are doing a five-minute recap of The Art of Procrastination by John Perry. Ready, set, go! Guys, first chapter. Let's talk about it, okay? Structured procrastination. This entire book is the guide for procrastinators. If you are a procrastinator and you feel bad about it, read this book because it's going to give you structural tips on how to be a better procrastinator and get all the things done in your life that you need. Being a structured procrastinator allows you to spend less time on tasks, but also get them done with a high level of quality, okay? Next that we're gonna go into is procrastination versus perfection, more correctly, procrastination and perfection, okay? Uh, you know, there's a difference here, guys. When it comes to procrastination, the advantage that a procrastinator has is that they're gonna be able to get something done to a very similar level of quality that the perfectionist is gonna be able to get it done, but that perfection is gonna work for a lot more hours. So the beauty of being a procrastinator is that you will be able to get more done in a shorter period of time, kind of like what we talked about in Scrum in last week's book. So set yourself up to win, understand where your deadlines are, but also understand that if you get within 95% accuracy and that difference of 5% is gonna take you an extra day or two, you're better off with the 95% and taking two or three hours to do the work than three to four days because you'll spend more money and more time and it's just not worth it. Yeah, and then with that, like I said, it's important to start your day off with to-do lists. This is gonna be the next thing that we're gonna talk about. Understanding that if you are a procrastinator, it's very important to start to get on a roll early. So you want to start off with some, something simple like make your bed, which obviously was a book that we read as well, and they did the same strategy. Make your bed, uh, get a shower, brush your hair, brush your teeth, simple things. So by the time you're an hour into your day, you've already got seven things or so done. Instead of getting an hour through your day and going, okay, now it's time to actually start my day off. And you're going to have a little sluggish kind of movement into it. So if you can start your day off with a lot of easy and completable tasks, it's going to get you into a better spot, which next chapter, 
Chapter four is get rhythm. It gets you into that rhythm just like an athlete, anyone in sports, in business. Once you're rolling, you're good. Get in there, continue finishing. So if you had seven tasks in the morning, now you're on the eighth task, the ninth task, the 10th task. Now you're in a place where you were able to get them done very quickly and then you can step back and analyze where you're gonna be and understanding what you needed to do going forward. Guys, momentum, momentum, momentum. That's what it's all about. This is something that will keep you from your momentum. Computers and the procrastinator, technology and the procrastinator. Guys, set yourself up to win. If you end up going on your email and you're sitting there for three hours, you are procrastinating. Set yourself up to win by knowing that you have a phone call in 20 minutes. So you're gonna check your email for 20 minutes, not for the next three hours. Don't go down the rabbit hole of the internet because it's so easy to do so. Set yourself up to win. It's much easier to set a timer than it is to completely shift your mindset on how you how you do things. Um, next, so next thing we're gonna talk about is horizontal organization, okay guys? It's all about diversifying the way that you look at things. The majority of people look at it from a vertical perspective, Procrastinators look at it from a horizontal perspective. Put things in boxes, make sure to prioritize the things that you need and be clear about what you're prioritizing. It's really, really important. Uh, next thing we're gonna talk about is collaborating with the enemy. Being a procrastinator and working with a non-procrastinator is a great thing. Why? Because you complement each other. It's a beautiful balance of uh, balancing act between the procrastinator and the non-procrastinator. The non-procrastinator is going to jump on things and get things done quickly, whereas the procrastinator is going to take more time to think about them. It's a beautiful balance that works for everybody. Uh, fringe benefits, very similar to what we were talking about in the last chapter. It's all about the fact that you can be a procrastinator working with another procrastinator and you will still get things done. It's just a matter of being structured in the way that you do things. Really important uh, as a procrastinator working with another procrastinator to have good communication, to be involved with that person and understand what your timelines are and what your deadlines are so you can make and hit all of them. And then understanding as well, if you're working with someone who's not a procrastinator, you know, does a procrastinator have to be annoying? And the answer is no. no. Let them know this is how I normally work. Let them know that your work will be quality. It'll be done on time. But just, you know, understand. And I think the biggest thing with it is to keep good communication. To say, all right, you know, have you uploaded this today? No, I'm, I'm getting it done. I'm doing this, this, and that. Even if a lot of it is planned, the procrastinators plan more than the average, but they act for less time than the average. So it's a lot of different things going on at the same time. So when it comes to that, like I said, keep a mindset on it. Keep that communication open. And like I said, continue to get your work done with quality. If the quality drops off, then you have a problem. And to close it all up for us here, guys, last two chapters of the book are deep concluding thoughts on how to kick your habit, okay? Listen, procrastinating, as we all know, is not the best thing for a person to be, but you can make it work for you by being a structured procrastinator. And if you wanna ditch the procrastination, you can do that, but it's gonna require a lot of work and a lot of headache. If you can be a structured procrastinator, you can still be yourself and also get a lot of things done. And with that being said, three, two, one, Guys, thank you so much for joining us for the five-minute recap. My name is Moore Milo. I'm Ross Anarelli. This is the 52 Podcast, 52 books, 52 weeks. We'll catch you next week. Take care.